Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello, and welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. You guys, I am honored, excited, blessed, grateful, so happy to introduce to you Veronica Irons. Uh, I will be sharing a little bit about what I know about her, but I'm going to just tell you she is a psychic and she has worked with thousands upon thousands of people to discover their own abilities and give them their own awareness of their internal compass. Oh, you guys. And that is what she has done with me. And I am very excited to share her work with you. That's our intuition. Her, our internal compass is our intuition. And we're going to talk about that. And she really helps people. Her purpose is to be a conduit for furthering awareness, kindness, light, and abundance, and to expedite the evolution of humanity, which we are also here to do into a healthier, happier state while also helping to uplevel consciousness into its ultimate expression love. Now we speak the same language of love. Veronica Irons, um, thank you for being here first off. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I am just so excited. I'm super, super excited. Thank you. I'm I'm trying to not just talk about you this whole episode, but actually include (laughs) you, but you guys, so Veronica, she's a psychic. I met her in Sedona, Arizona, where she works at the center for new age. That's the proper name. Um, I always say new age center, but it's the center for new age. And I happen to do a past life regression with her and we're going to dive into that. But Veronica, first, I'd love to hear how you arrived because you have a pretty unique story about how you arrived to your, your psychic and healing journey. Totally. Well, I was never one when I was little to know what I wanted to be as an adult. (laughs) So I admire people who have had that. So I went to college and I kind of knew the name of the game was to get a degree. And that's what I did. And I loved ancient history. So that's what I focused on and geology, which is super handy in Northern Arizona. Um, But I always knew I wanted to join the Peace Corps. And so I ended up serving in the Peace Corps. And right when I went in, it was 2008 and I went in in May August came around and of course the economy tanked. And so my whole service abroad, I served in the South Pacific. I kept hearing about how there was anarchy and there were no jobs and nothing of that nature. So when I was coming back, I had a friend say, Hey, I have a job for you in the wine industry in Arizona. And I started glitching out. I was like, uh, wine, Arizona, what? And well, she, she had knew that my family were a little bit more European and that we do drink wine with dinner. So I kind of grew up drinking wine and already knew a fair bit about it. And she's like, yeah, it's in Cottonwood, Arizona. And I, I love where I live. I take great pride in knowing a lot about it, but I was also like, where's Cottonwood? What are these (laughs) things you're saying to me? So fast forward, I ended up um, getting a job in the wine industry as a sommelier, someone who sells and educates about wine. And I did that for six years and I absolutely love it. And if anyone gets a chance, Arizona has a beautiful wine industry. Um, Most states do actually anymore. Um, It's not all California. We're, We're all getting our little bits back. But I kept feeling like, is this it? Uh, I'm a morning person and in the wine industry, you kind of got to be a night person. There's only so far you can go with it without being like a sommelier at a restaurant. And, you know, I love wine and it's education, but it's very, can be very pretentious. And I kind of got to the top of where I could go with it. And in the meantime, I was still taking psychic classes and I was working with others and I, I, all these doors, all of a sudden, 
started opening up for me to become a professional psychic. And I kept going, I don't think I can do that. And uh, I finally got a download from spirit after about a year and a half of like, you have to start working with the public or there's no more spiritual growth for you. And I went, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And as soon as that happened, all the doors opened for me to be at the center. And that's where I've been since. Wow. That's so, there's, there's a lot of things that you said. I have lots of questions about and I'm thinking where to start, but what actually, I'm just going to start with what's screaming is like these doors opening. I'm very interested in that because it sounds like you might've had like a little resistance to stepping fully into that. I'd love to hear about the resistance. I also have this like simultaneous question. I always ask my guests is like, what did you have to give up to have the life you have? So follow whichever, like tell us about the doors or tell us about what you've had to give up. I'm, I can't quite I'm navigating. Oh, they can, they can work in tandem. Totally. Yeah. And- Yeah. So the resistance was there because as a psychic, there's a couple things that you embody. And one of them is being a messenger and we don't have the luxury of being attached to the message. So I can channel the other side, but that's the part of psychic work that always makes me feel a little wonky because it's weird for me, even to this day, like I do it and I I have much more confidence in it, but it's still a little odd because I I never know what I'm going to get. So that took a while to really um, step into of embodying the message without being attached to it. And a great example, um, I just had someone reach out to me that I went to high school with and he said, hey, you know, I've never thanked you for being the person to start me on my spiritual path and my path of understanding empathy. And I said, that's really cool. But where does this coming from? And he's like, oh, I was talking to my therapist and and realized that the origins of that came back to you in high school. I don't remember those conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I know they were don't, right? Because you're a conduit. Can, continue. Yeah, totally. So you're that conduit. So I am embodying the conduit without being attached to the message was a big part of it. And I felt like working with other healers was going to be safer Um, because it's always what I had worked with. But actually, I love, I love, love, love working with the public. I love working with other healers too. There's just different things to navigate within that. So what did I have to give up to be a psychic? That it's, that's such a great question. um, Because there's not, I'm a very logical, practical, grounded psychic. Uh, Most of the books on my bookshelves are PhDs or MDs along with the spiritual, or they are spiritual psych or doctors or doctorates. So, you know, some of that really taking ownership of that word, the owner of the center for the new age said, you have to call yourself a psychic. Cause I was going to be like, oh, I'm an intuitive. I'm, you know, I'm an empath. <laughs> and she's like, it's psychic. And I was like, but that was true. But when you take on that energy, you also take on some of the stigma that comes along with that. And so having to work around that, um, I was very pleasantly surprised how supportive most of my family was, uh, about it though. I am, I've always been considered weird anyways. So this just added a whole level of weird, Uh but yeah, it was really stepping into, can I do this? Can I be an independent contractor? Can I do this work full time? Can I honor those messages? And it was very, very scary. And I'll be honest, my first reading was terrible. It was so bad. I still pray for that guy. I don't know how he paid for it. (laughs) Um, But, you know, after the second one, I found, you know, I trained for this. I can do this. And I know I'm in that energy to be of service. And that's what's most important. So I gave up a lot of stability and security for the unknown, but the unknown has always served me more. And again, it comes with those doors. I've never really had, um, I've just had to develop that trust that where I'm supposed to be, I'll be, and those doors will open up and lo and behold, they do. I love it so much. And I, 
really love what you said because I think more of us have the gift than we either tap into or develop ever. But when you said you have like being a conduit to embody the message and uh, deliver without attachment, you know, there's so much of the identity work, like you said, I'm, I'm an intuitive, I'm an empath. Like it's a little, it's a little less like keeping yourself off the hooker or, or, you know, whatever that might be the relationship with it. Again, the, the woo, which you are the host of bring on the woo podcast. I, I had the, <laughs> uh, the pleasure and honor of being on that. So you guys be sure to check out her uh, podcast, bring on the woo. And one more question before we kind of go in that forward momentum, how far back would you say your gifts go? I'm a born empath. And when I went back and really looked, I have markers of it all over my childhood. Now I feel like everybody, like you said, is intuitive. And when people tell me they're scared of using it, it's like saying you're scared of your left arm. Like you're walking around life with your left (laughs) arm tied behind your back. I'm going like, Um, obviously we don't flail our left arms all over everywhere all the time because then we get hurt. We use our, that appendage responsibly. It's the same thing here. Um, but yeah, I do feel like it hits people with at different times in life though. I feel like there's always little things here and there. Um, but it does seem to awaken in people at different points in its strength. Um, mine was just a lot earlier. Well, that's what I was interested in. Um, like that awakening or when you really started becoming conscious of it, because it's very interesting. It's almost, it's, I don't know if you notice it, but you reference it as if it's like math. You know, it's it. Oh, I was a, a sommelier, and I was also getting my psychic. You know, I was this and that, and I'm like, but wait, where does this come in? This is like really different and important. <laughs> <laughs> no, where would you say it entered your life? Um, if I maybe that way. Yeah. So honestly, if I was to pinpoint like one particular spot, uh, which nobody's ever really asked me to do before. So thank you. I would really cite it being right as I was going into high school. So I had had a lot of abuse and trauma in my childhood. Um, I had dealt with a lot. I, my story is very similar to most people. It just happened concentrated at a much younger age. And I was tired of being angry. I realized how heavy it was and I was done with being angry and I was going to a new high school um, from a different district from my middle school. So I knew I could kind of reinvent myself. And that's really where I made that decision and that choice. And that was at that point when I really stepped into being more empathetic, not using my empathy to get my way or my needs want um, or met, but to use my empathy and, and, that word, I'm getting weird about the word used lately, but to, to really tap into that empathy to support others as well as myself. Very interesting. So like you said that, I mean, that is very early for most people, right? And especially because I think at least my experience was I got into my uh, you know tw- late twenties before anything shifted for me, as far as being conscious about the gifts, a lot of it felt more like a curse. Have you ever felt like your gifts were a curse? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, totally. But I kind of think of it anymore like a bicycle, a bicycle when you don't know how to ride it, not like a training wheel bicycle, but two wheels, you know how to ride it with training wheels, but you don't know how to ride it. You haven't figured out that balance and you fall over a lot that hurts and that then it's a curse. So 
it is, or it was when I didn't know how to manage those energies, but as an empath for those listening, um, and you can find multitude of resources out there on this. And I say majority of people are empaths because it's actually in my mind when I've looked into it, um, it's a secondary, or I would say primary form of communication, but you really want to develop your shielding practices, your uh, grounding practices, and your cleansing practices. So like in fitness, we want flexibility, strength training, and we need cardio is the same thing as an empath. And when you get those down, your gift is no longer a curse. It's a huge blessing. But yeah, if we don't, I like shields because if we don't know where we end and other people begin, we get, it's really hard to define our sense of self. And the other part of that too, it's not to limit you from other people. It's also to know your vessel, your container, like a battery. So you can recirculate your energy appropriately versus having it leached out everywhere. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Because we definitely have a lot of empaths listening. We have a whole empath series on the podcast and you know, it's hearts unleashed. We want to live our heart unleashed and mostly mm. we've learned to contain it or at least create those shields, but not shields, but barriers, right? We've built Fort Knox around to protect and self-preserve. And so I appreciate that perspective so much. And so I would love to just kind of mess around and explore and play and, but I'm feeling to leave it wide open, it being hearts unleashed and this being a community of people really here to make a positive impact. What would be a piece of advice that you might have for our crew? How you know, it's so funny. I'm getting chills on that. And um, I feel like a big piece of it is as empaths, since we're kind of tapping into that space, we take things way too personally. And (laughs) yeah, so, you know, people projecting stuff on us, we think it's us. And then we have to get to that space or you don't have to, I advise you to. Um, It's wise to get to that space where you start realizing nine times out of 10, the stuff isn't yours. And again, a good shielding practice will help you navigate that. Um, when we feel things, we're sponges. So we're going to feel something and think it's ours. And I remember having a friend saying, how can you say that empaths take their feelings too personally when they're feeling it? I was like, well, they're meant to feel their environment, but that doesn't necessarily mean it originates from their own sense of self or issues or whatever. So just because you feel it doesn't mean it's yours. So a big thing is ask yourself if you have a huge emotional switch um, like I've been in a grocery store and like happy as a clam. And then all of a sudden I feel like a little rage monster and I go, oh, what just happened? Oh, is this mine? No. Okay. Give it back. Cause you have a small window to acknowledge if it's yours or not and give it back. Otherwise it becomes yours and you have to process it. But also I heavily encourage, even, you know, if we're sick or if we've had big events happen to us, it's wise to get to a space to not judge them in that moment in time. We lack perspective. We're too close to it. So if we're able to, um, you know, if something seemingly bad happens that we're able to take a moment and say, okay, I don't know what's going on here. I'm going to just get into a neutral space and I'm going to step back. And I, you know, obviously if it's a flat tire or something, we have to address it, but then allow yourself that space to say, Hey, maybe there's a bigger piece at play that I may not be seeing. And that happened to me a week or two ago where I ended up staying at a friend's house. We were just talking about the like mysteries of the universe. <laughs> and um, I never leave that late from, from Sedona to go home, which is about 20 minutes away. And as I'm, I'm leaving and I was kind of grumbling, oh, I'm tired. It's a little bit late. I see these two cars on the side of the road and there was a massive accident. 
So not to say that I would have been in that accident, but maybe I would have been stuck behind it. Maybe I would have been in the accident. I don't know, but it would about have been the appropriate amount of time for had I left home versus how they were like getting them up on the semi-trucks. And so when you start being able to engage in your life that way, again, things become a little less personal and you can kind of see the bigger picture, the, the, the universal design at play and you go, oh, okay. Maybe it's not what I thought it was. Maybe I don't have to assume, maybe I don't have to jump to conclusions. So yeah, that really, as you asked me that, that really stood out, not taking things too personally. So powerful. So, so powerful. And then as you shared that accident example, it's just like noticing the synchronicities. I love that observer perspective you referenced in life is not to be the like directly in the weeds participating or like, you know, flailing and reacting, but backing up, especially as an empath, being able to back up, take a look and then choose what you're going to interact with or engage with. Or again, is this mine? I also heard someone say the other day, like, you know, give back what's not yours, but also take back what's been taken that was a very interesting uh, shift for me too, because a lot of, as, as an empath, people might drain us because we hold light or because we are sensitive, that that can become pretty impactful too. Have you had any, so you do a lot of work with people. Have you had experiences of that, of people sort of taking from you energetically? Have you had this sense of that or how I... do you navigate that? Not in work because yeah. I had to master that with family when I was younger. Yeah. And so, um, and, and mastery is never mean I'm perfect at it. It means I have a lot more tools at my disposal to work with. Um, do I have better days than other? Totally. Like I, the other day I had a client want a reading and I knew he was in a, I've worked with him before and he was in a really intense space and I was very upfront with him. I don't have the energy for it. I'm, I'm tapped out already. I've, I've had quite a few sessions and um, I can maybe do another 15 minute session if needed, but my energy level is such that I will not be able to give you the attention mm-hmm. and honor your situation the way that I feel you need. And I would like to be able to do that. So, and he was totally open. So we scheduled the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the boundary practice, part of that as an empath, I mean, that is our karma having to learn boundaries. And so when I talk about shielding, grounding and cleansing, that is emphasizing maintaining and creating those boundaries. But part of that is verbal mm-hmm. being aware of yourself to say, Hey, this isn't a fit. I've had, I've only ever had of the, gosh, like you said, thousands upon thousands of people I've worked with. I've only ever had to call six readings Mm -hmm. where we were going in it and we were doing it. And I was either not able to connect whatsoever Mm -hmm. or was off. And then it was like, Hey, this doesn't feel like this is resonating with you. And they're like, it's not. And I was like, okay, well then let's go find the person that it is. And almost every situation, they didn't want me in the first place. They wanted somebody else. I was a placeholder. And so as soon as we went downstairs, that person they really wanted was now available. Now, I mean, that's a really math, like you said, I do love math. So mathematically, that's a very, very low, low, low percentage, six out of God knows how many. Um, But I just honor that because not every client is my client. I've learned that. Um, I'm not going to speak to everyone the way that you maybe would that could really impact them in this moment in time. Maybe I am later, maybe I am never. And just because I work with someone now doesn't mean they're a permanent fit forever either. We always are evolving, evolving and growing. And that's really important to know in, in that evolution of self of tuning into that. Love it. I love it so much. And, and we've had, so thank you for sharing about energetic boundaries, because I think that navigating that is, and you said it's part of your karma. It's part of your journey learning. And I think that we always think we can skirt that lesson and we can't, we'll run face first into that stop sign every time. (laughs) Totally. Um, thank you. And 
It was, I had a chance to work with you and I'd love to sort of jam out about specifically past life regression because we did that work together and it was phenomenal and in-depth. And I like to say there's life before that regression and life after that regression because I am (laughs) on a cellular level, I am different. And so if this gets to stand as a testimonial, please hit up Veronica. You only do in person, is that correct? So the modality I work with in honoring of that energy, um, it is only in person. And that is to your benefit because if the phone disconnects and you're going through something, I have no way to get back a hold of you. And now you're on your own. So good. And you guys, 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10, well worth the trip to Sedona. One, Sedona is beautiful, but two, the magic of (laughs) Veronica in Sedona is 10 times wonderful. So (laughs) (laughs) I was honored by that. I would love, so I found you through Dolores Cannon's books and her work, and she has a specific certification and you have that. Can you sort of, okay, so I'm going to tell you probably nine out of 10 listeners don't know what a past life regression is or the QHHT work. And so if you could just kind of give us a little rundown on that first. Totally. So yeah. So You know, for anyone listening, I never, I I find it really important to meet people where they're at. So if Mm -hmm. past life, that word freaks you out or doesn't resonate with you, that's okay. This can Mm -hmm. actually be pulling up ancestral memory is how some people like to think about it. Sometimes actually anymore, I say half the people I'm working with aren't even going into past lives. They're needing to work on stuff in this life that's much more pertinent and relevant. Yeah. So regression work is you are um, getting put into trance. It's very, very gentle. And trance is super easy. We do it when we're driving. You know, we all know that where we've been driving somewhere and then all of a sudden we're home and we go, how did I get here? I don't remember the drive. That is a form of, of trance. So you're changing those brainwave states. And with doing past life work or regression work in general, you're bringing up memories that are still affecting you in this life, whether it's from a past life or whether it's from this present life or could be ancestral patterning. Anxiety, most people don't realize, is ancestral patterning. Um, and that is a very, very fun one to dive into to help people overcome because it is not that I feel like we need to blame our ancestors and say, you know, dang it, mom, dang it, dad, grandparents, whatever. We get a a lot of great things from our ancestors as well. But, you know, being able to look at where these patternings are, because we aren't born with a blank slate. We ourselves have memory. They come in with a lot. And so it's, it's that work to be able to get into trance, discover what those are in a supported environment to be able to release it. I so appreciate the way that you describe that. And I also love that you brought up how anxiety is like that memory, right? I, not until I moved away for several years at a time, did I start to sort of unravel some conditioning that I recognized wasn't mine and not to, again, not to place blame or, you know, anything like that, but just to really come home. And um, I did a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And that was the very first time in my whole life that I felt my own frequency, that then I could kind of use it as a cornerstone for myself and my life and, and, and that perspective. There, I know there's client confidentiality, so we can go into different avenues. But I would, I, I would like to just kind of ask about your experience of being a practitioner in this work and what you, yeah, just the experience that you've had as much as you can or feel comfortable sharing. Oh, totally. So as a psychic, I can tell people about their past lives till I'm blue in the face and I love them. Um, But I really found that having someone be able to experience them and discover them for themselves was so much more impactful. So 
part of the process, once you're regressed, um, what's very different from a lot of hypnotherapy and uh, regression modalities that Dolores developed over a period of 40 years, uh, is that then we open the door to your higher self or what's known as the oversoul, your connection to divine intelligence. And that's where as a practitioner, like some of the most incredible things have happened. Um, I've had someone go straight to the God plane because I mean, we're connected at all levels to divinity and, and that was a trip. So, I mean, this certification, it's, it's, uh, hours upon hours of, it's not like I've had people like, Oh, I had a one hour training and I'm a, a hypnotherapist. And I'm like, what? Like there's multiple levels of certification to go through with this. And so I had gone through all of the levels and the, and the first person I regressed went right to the God plane. And this was a person I had known very well. And I thought they were messing with me. I was like, what? Like, this is not a cruel person, but this person is talking about the creation of light as if they were there. And, you know, you can feel this energy in the room and then coming out of it, they were, I, uh, one of the questions I immediately ask is like, how long do you feel you were under? Because, you know, when, when the job is done well, you are missing some chunks of time. And that has to do with the pineal gland and time dilation. Cause you're getting into those deep brainwave states. And this person was like, oh yeah, like only 15 minutes. And I showed him the clock and I was like, it's been two hours. They're like, what? And then kept going like, but you're being, now you're being weird. I'm like, I don't know how not to be weird. I was just talking to the God plane and you weren't here. And, and I can't tell you about it because you weren't here. So you have to go back and listening to the recording. And uh, so that was a trip. So I was prepared for anything and everything but that. So that was a fun one, but I've had you know, there's a lot of, again, mathematically, I, people who don't believe in aliens, I find really funny because that just tells me you don't like math. Um, <laughs> like they have to exist. They do mathematically. And so I've had a very benevolent, wonderful energies come through. Someone channeled an alien that was watching out for the plane and sending or our planet and sending loving healing energy. And she, um, this energy was so high that she ended up turning blue I, I was still a relatively new practitioner at the time and I had a blanket, but it was really thin. I have multiple blankets now. For <laughs> she got so cold channeling that energy. Um, but yeah, part of this for me is, is also the journey as, as loving history. Like I said, that was my major in college learning about lives in ancient Egypt. Um, I mean, that's of course my jam. That's where I focused on. That was my emphasis, but even lives in England or Asia, or again, kind of going to different planes or different worlds that has happened before too. And so it's always a journey. It's always a good story. And what I'm always looking for as a practitioner, because people will be like, well, what, what if they're just making it up? One, only schizophrenics can lie under trance because their um, mental state and emotional and spiritual state is fractured. I mean, it truly is. There's not a way to fix that. Um, so it's also embracing the emotional connection and reaction. So if I like asked you to visualize yourself in a floaty, happy castle, and I really wanted you to channel bliss, you may be able to get there, but it's going to take you a couple minutes. Or if I said you're in a dungeon and I want you to really channel that energy of, of uh, despondency, again, you may get there, but it's going to take you a while. When I'm doing regression work as a practitioner, I'm seeing the emotional reaction people have immediately. And that's how you know you're not making it up or it's not fake because there's an instant connection to the visualization and the emotion. And you can't fake that. And what would you say people come to you or like, why would they choose a past life? Or what are some of the reasons people have shared that they come to a past life regression? 
So some of the reasons that they're coming is um, a lot of health issues that they haven't been able to totally identify uh, will come up um, and wanting to have perspective on. So I had a woman who had gangrene in a past life, her leg got cut off and her hip constantly ached in this life. And she was trying to figure out why, because she was relatively healthy. And a lot of it had to do with her hip was indicating to her when she was off course. Because in that life, she went so far off course that she had her leg amputated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be underlying health issues. Anxiety is a big one. You really are able to, in those deep trance states, um, rewire the neural net of the brain to release a lot of old patterning and programming that's no longer serving in accordance with that higher self. It's I don't do anything. I want to make that really clear. I'm a very good guide. I am. I will honor that. Mm-hmm. But you, the the higher self and you yourself do a lot of that healing and clearing and acknowledging like, yeah, it's time for me to release this. I'm going to do that. And then it's, and then it, it does very quickly go away. So emotional states, um, sometimes people have really weird experiences they can't explain and they want insights to either regress back to that moment or understand what happened. Mm-hmm. That can be a big one. But I think honestly, the biggest one, which is most people are looking for is their purpose. They want to have uh, more of an understanding of their purpose in life. What you were sharing took me back to my own past life regression because you do record them. And so we were able to listen because I, uh, you know, in listening to the recording, I, I rem- like re- recalled like 30% like that after I, I recalled some things and then I listened back and yeah, it was only about 30% of what had actually gone on. But I remember listening and my consciousness or that, what did you say? The higher, higher self. self, right. Um, was very like sarcastic or just, uh, funny. <laughs> Do you experience, uh, oddities like this, like that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Our higher selves do not. And that's another thing I'm looking for as a practitioner of how the higher self is speaking and addressing. And I'd say 90% of the time, it does not sound like the person who I regressed, Mm -hmm. which is also a big indicator. Like it's different word uses. Oh, this was a great one. This was a woman. She was super sweet, super, super sweet, but she was very simple, which I have, I hold space for. She was a hairstylist, very lovely. But her higher self came in like a force and was like, basically said, I wanted her to be a backwater illiterate because I needed her not to be in her head. She needed to be in her heart. And that's exactly where she's supposed to be. And I was sitting there going, whoa, this is not something someone (laughs) would say about themselves. Yeah. 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 This was her higher self talking very distinctly, very clearly. And it was a total 180 on how she was speaking to me during when we were, when we were doing our interview during the regression and then how her higher self came in. So yeah, there are huge, huge distinctions between how our higher self speaks and how, how we speak. Mm, That's so, when you said specifically that story, it was like that soul just put on this meat suit and is, you know, playing this role. And it's, it's really fascinating because you, you had said this too, that, neurologically you're, you're transforming something. I feel cellular on a cellular and core level, like different. And, um, I just so appreciate that because it, I, it's an opportunity to come from that higher perspective to even make any contact, like to then come back from that kind of experience into your consciousness. And then also to be able to listen to that played back to you. Like you can more intentionally harness that or tap in or connect. I've noticed, you know, in times of struggle, I really try to go to that higher place or that further back seating 
for that fresh perspective. So I, I so appreciate the different dynamics of this conversation. I, I'm really hoping, like, I will love to hear or find out the day if, if anybody, it's, it's also client confidentiality, y'all. But if you are on the Hearts Unleashed podcast and you listen to Veronica and you travel your little butt to Sedona and you go meet with her, I would love to celebrate with you all. <laughs> and I'd be happy to celebrate too. I've been regressed as well. I, it's one of those, it's a point of pride for me. of Like, if I'm going to do this to other people, I need to know what it feels like. And I completely agree with you. It's like all of this baggage just gets left behind and it becomes so much easier to stay in that observer standpoint. And yeah, I will absolutely celebrate with you as well. That's why I yeah. love doing this. You know, I wanted to say one more thing for those who really are on, on the listening as to, as to participate. Um, it, you warned me from the beginning, you said there might be past life or past this life. And I got to experience both in that regression. And I, I do remember some of those very vividly. So it was very pivotal in healing some of the stuff that I do have core memories from my development in this lifetime. And that, that I've been able to apply to this lifetime with people that I interact with on a, you know, daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so I just, I think that that's so profound because it's been an incredible gift to use those tools developed. And then past life was just so informative. Anything that I had, you know, it was very much more conceptual, ethereal, you know, some tangible, but also just really all of it brilliant overall. So I'm so grateful to connect. It was very random how we met. So I'm I'm so grateful that it, I aligned specifically. <laughs> right, 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 right. So <laughs> synchronistic. Um, but I just love, because you were in a list of people I could have chosen and I chose you. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Likewise, likewise. You definitely have been a gift in my life too. Yes. And I love to ask this question as we start to wrap up um, our episodes. What does it look like for Veronica's heart to live unleashed? Mm, see, I've been definitely feeling into that more and more. And I've been coming to this space for myself that to live my Veronica's heart unleashed means to be so adaptable and open that comfort is nice, but so is discomfort. And lately in my life, I've been very comfortable and I know genetically we're hot, simultaneously hardwired for comfort and adventure. Mm-hmm. And I do have little bits of adventure, but I've been leaning too much into the comfort zone that I've been getting. Um, I haven't been pushing myself in the way that I've been wanting to mm-hmm. and like being a, a publisher of like finishing my book or stuff like that. So I'm really, my heart unleashed is in this happy, even more neutral space of embracing that because in the adventure is where we aspire and then we can have our rest. If I feel like I've rested a little bit too long. I'm calling myself out and it's time to, to push again. Yeah. And I do think it was, it, it's in the words of Dolores, I believe we come here, right. To experience the planet, taste, touch, see, smell, sense. And, and some of that sense is exhilaration and thrill. And I love that you're conscientious of it because you're incorporating adventure. But when we don't, we often will then manifest dysfunction right? Like our mayhem, because we still need that exhilaration and that rush. And so I love that I'm saying this mostly for our listeners. So you don't have to then manifest craziness. You can just choose adventure. So thank you for choosing adventure and challenge. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you for bringing it to the conversation, because I think there's a lot of us who are ready to live our heart unleashed and we're just really 
comfy, cozy. It's, you know, it's predictable, it's structured, it's safe. And so permission to all of us to step a little more boldly outside those, those, those limitations. So Veronica, I want to thank you so deeply for coming to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. Um, where can people find you, connect with you, anything like that? So um, there's a couple ways. So first, as she mentioned, my podcast, Bring on the Woo. You can email me at Veronica at Bring on the Woo. It's a fun one just to be able to normalize the awakening process. And of course, hear Abigail's wonderful story in a different context. Um, I am based out of the Center for the New Age in Sedona, Arizona. So you can physically find me there. But I also have um, a website called Saged Insight. So sage, like the plant you burn for cleansing, insights. Uh, com, And that's an easy way to get some info there too. Perfect. And we will be sure to have all those links set up in the show notes. So thank you for that. Again, thank you for being here. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, I'm clear that it's intensive, right? Like you, you do care for yourself in a way to stay sourced, to be able to do this work. And it is very magical work. So thank you for the way that you usher in light and love everywhere. Namaste love you. And hearts, thank you for being here. I hope you got exactly what you needed. I hope you feel very inspired and I hope you take a trip to Sedona soon. Thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.